sickness and death to life. Now I'm alive. Oh, you give peace to the restless and joy to homes that are broken. I see you now. In you. Our mission here at Crossroads is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're seeing that happening at the family level. It's exciting stuff. 
So we just want to welcome you. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads. And if you do me a favor and pass the friendship folders down the aisle, let us know you're here. That'd be really fantastic. As well as if you're brand new with us, would you do me one favor? Would you stop by that Welcome Center? We have something for you. And uh, we also would love to get you connected here and serve you. Uh, and if you're with your family, just to get you connected here and serve you in any way we can. Um, just to turn your attention to a couple announcements this morning. One is our Thanksgiving Eve service. And on November 22nd at 7 p.m., it's going to be a night of worship here. Just to give back to God, just to be thankful for so many things that he's blessed us with this year and just even this last week. And so would you join us on November 22nd at 7 here, uh, right here it's at 7 p.m. It's going to be a great night. And as well as uh, Operation Christmas Child, you probably saw that big tall wall of boxes. And then they were that high and then now they're probably about that high and you're starting to see them fill up on the other side of the lobby. That's because people like you are grabbing a box one or two and filling them out, filling them up, bringing them back. You've got this week, the 5th through the 12th, to bring those back here. So if you may have forgot, I know that I forgot one this week. So I'm going to grab one as I'm heading out, and then I'll fill it up. There's the instructions right inside the box, and then just bring it back. You have until next Sunday, and then we'll take it on to the next spot. But great opportunity. Uh, we took one of my kids uh, shopping the other day, and it was a little bit of a struggle. Because it's like, you know, looking at one or two things and wanting to put them in the box and put it in his box. <laughs> you know, but it was a really awesome opportunity, and it really was a great conversation on the way home. Um, the other thing I'd like to turn your attention to is the Christmas Dessert Theater, which is coming up um, on 8, 9, and 10 of December, and I'm going to ask Rhonda to speak to that a little bit. Well, we are really excited. It's that time of year. The play this year, the musical this year is called A Perfect Little Christmas. And what we want to do is tickets are on sale even now as I'm speaking online um, on our website. What we want to do is we want to fill this place with people that need Jesus, people that maybe have never met him and need a relationship with Jesus or is struggling or just, um, just come and find out what we're all about here on the Hill. So we're excited about just, um, the d dessert theater. We're going to have our gym decorated as Candyland, And if you remember last year, the desserts were phenomenal, but the one thing we want to do is we want you to really make an impact in your community, in the lives of people that God has put in your life. And so we want to ask that you just, um, just go for it. It's the second weekend in December, as Luke had said. The other thing is, is we are going to have a, um, a couple years ago, we had a gingerbread house decorating contest. We're going to do that again this year. So look for information to come in the bulletin probably next week on all the rules and what you got to do for that. But as many gingerbread houses as we can get you to make, um, they'll be on display in the gym as well. And then we'll just have fun with that. But the main thing is, is just really be in prayer over this awesome weekend that we can really impact and make a difference in the world for Jesus. Thanks. Awesome. You know, every year at Christmas, God uses our church tremendously uh, we have the Christmas Dessert Theater. We're out there. We're bringing people to Jesus. I'm excited. We're going to be having a, a Christmas series all throughout the month of December. Christmas Eve is going to be an exciting time. There are so many opportunities to bring people into that growing relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you, be prepared, start to pray, start to think about the people that you can include, people that you can invite to be a part of the family of God. And then uh, another big outreach of our church around Christmas is the birthday gift to Jesus. And I'd like to ask you, just look inside of your bulletin that you were handed as you came in. There's a list there. And the list, is, it says $81,000 
birthday gift to Jesus. And so uh, for some of you, this is a little bit new. For others, you've been here a long time and you've heard us talk about it every Christmas. Uh, what we try to do at our church is we try to, try to put Jesus at the top of the, uh, top of the Christmas list. Uh, we're sending boxes around the world. I'm so excited about the great response. And, uh, you know, take the rest of those boxes out of here today and let's fill them up. Let's watch what God does. And a little kid opens them up around the world. And, and then we're able also to support these missionaries. And, and what we do is these missionaries get this. Most of them, it's unexpected. They don't know that this is coming. Uh, we haven't made a commitment to them that this will definitely be there. If, if God supplies, then we're able to send it. So last year, we, were, we set the goal at 80000 and God just sent in 113000 Isn't that exciting? Can we give God a hand for that? What an awesome God. And, uh, and so what we did was we took, we took the, the amount over and above. We said, all right, here was a missionary overseas. We were supposed to give him 2000 We upped it 1000 We gave him 3000 and so we were able to just bless people uh, all around the world. So the, uh, we'll get into this in the weeks to come, but I'd like to start to ask you to pray about this. You can begin to give. If you want to give today towards it, just mark your, mark your gift, uh, birthday gift to Jesus. And, uh, but we're going to be, this is over and above our regular tithes and offerings, and God does some great things. Uh, I've asked the Lord, my wife and I, we asked the Lord to give us an amount that we could give. And, and much to our surprise, we've already seen it come in. God's already given it. And so we're excited to just give it back to the Lord. And may, maybe he'll give you even more. So I want to ask you to just, just pray and say, okay, God, uh, what, what could we give this year? And take a step of faith. That's called a faith offering. When we say, all right, God, if, uh, if you give it, I'll give it. If you don't give it, I don't have anything to give, right? And so that's a faith offering. And so we'll, we'll just do that. I want to encourage you. Uh, some of you have planned for it. You've, you've been planning all year. You, you've been putting some aside and you're excited to give. And, and for others, it'll just be just, just a, a step of faith. So I want to ask you to begin to pray about that. And we'll be talking about that in the days to come. Thanks, Ken. I'd like to invite the ushers forward to receive this morning's offering. And uh, those of you who are brand new with us, feel free to let the plate pass. This is for regular attenders and those who are in the grace of giving. You are more than welcome to participate. Would you join me in praying for this offering? Lord God, we come before you acknowledging that you are God, that you are good. And God, our seasons may look different. Our mornings, truly this morning, may have even looked different than they did yesterday. But God, you don't change. And God, your mission, God, just to, to see your kingdom widened. God, it's happening all the time. And so we give to that mission to see people come to know you, to see people who are far away from you come to know you through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we give out of a heart of humility and of sacrifice, God, no matter what size our gift is. God, we know that you will use these gifts. We know you will use these. And so we are so thankful and grateful we can be a part of your mission, your work here on earth. Jesus, we seek to make your name famous this morning. We ask everything in your precious name. Amen.
church and those who don't. Most people pray without even knowing it. When we're on a plane as it takes off, for some reason, we pray. When our favorite sports team is in a close game, we bite our nails and we pray. When we're being wheeled into an operating room, even if it's a simple procedure, for some unknown reason, we pray. The words, they just come out, often words we don't even hear ourselves whispering. Lord, help my mom be okay. God, I hope this pilot knows how to fly. Lord, help my team to win. Jesus, what in the world am I doing right now? 
Again, most people pray. Whether we're pursuing God or not, the words, they just come out. But something changes when we have a relationship with God. Our heart, it becomes alive. And because of that, our prayers and our words come alive. And we're no longer just talking to someone. We're talking with someone, with God. Because there's a relationship, a foundation with Jesus. We've been talking about how to talk with God. Prayer, how do we talk with God? And, and, uh, and it's the greatest privilege that we have to be able to commune with the God of the universe, but yet we struggle with it. I don't know about you, but why is prayer such a struggle? Why is it that, that, uh, that, that this is the greatest privilege, yet it's the, the most seldom used privilege? That we, that we don't understand it? Why, why is it that our interaction with prayer is that we don't truly comprehend it? Um, you know what? It's, uh, it, have you ever had anybody come to you and tell you you weren't praying the right way? Could you imagine that? Has anybody ever come to you and told you uh, that you don't know how to pray? Have you ever asked anybody, hey, teach, uh, teach me how to pray, right? Uh, the disciples, they were the, the followers of Jesus. They were in a culture that, that where prayer was prevalent. People prayed everywhere. People prayed on the street corners. People prayed in the synagogues. It was a culture of prayer. They had been taught how to pray from long old, and it became something that became just kind of, kind of a rite. People just kind of went through it, and they prayed. And, and yet, whenever they saw Jesus praying, and Jesus says, you ought to pray. Whenever they saw Jesus praying, they said, well, teach us how to do that. We don't really understand that. It's like when the waves, you know, the waves of life. I want you to think about the waves of life. Here's life. Life kind of starts to beat you up. You can look at a rock, and you see a rock along the shoreline where the waves have, have beaten that rock over and over, and it looks like that rock isn't going anywhere, but over a long period of time, as those waves start to beat, it starts to slowly make erosion. And you can see where the water has had its impact, where those waves have, have caused damage. And that's kind of like our life, isn't it? We're supposed to go out, and we know that life is hard. We know that we're going to take all these hard knocks, and we've got to keep going forward. And then we say, well, what's the answer to this? How do we deal with it? And then you go to church, and they say, well, just pray. Just pray. But yet, we, we, we're like, what do you mean, just pray? How, how, how is it just, oh, a prayer is just talking with God, right? Well, what if prayer were a little bit more than just talking with God? What if prayer is a little bit more, and Jesus says, as he goes to teach his disciples here, he gives them, he says, look, yeah, it's talking, it's a simple, in one version, it's that simple, talk with God. And the other version that Jesus, as he starts to teach him, he says, but it's not just rambling. It's not just talking. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, the disciples are asking him, how do we pray? And, And he teaches them. He says this, he says, when you pray, so he's assuming that you're praying. Remember, they're in a culture of prayer. So there, there was a, a religious form of prayer, okay? He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Uh, they, were, they were in a culture where people would pray outside on the street corner in public and they would pray long prayers. And they would pray some big theological words. And they would quote from Isaiah. They would quote from the prophet Ezekiel. They would quote all over the place. And it would make everybody else feel like, wow, aren't they pretty spiritual? Aren't they something that they, that they could be able to pray like that? And he, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that they have received their reward in full. He says, don't pray like that. Don't, when you pray, don't be like those, those hypocrites. 
Now, there's hypocrites in every place, right? Uh, and he says, look, those people that are out there praying like that, they've got their reward because their reward was for everybody to see them and say, oh, look how spiritual they are because they were doing it to be seen. And he, he, he contrasted. The verse 6, he continues, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So he, he says here, he says, now look, here, here's the contrast. Those hypocrites, they're just babbling on. They're just talking out there. He says, they've already got the reward. Everybody thinks they're so spiritual. But whenever you pray, go quiet. Don't let anybody see it. He's contrasting. He's not saying that you should never pray out loud, that you should never pray in public. That, that wasn't the, the idea here. He was saying, look, see how these people prayed? They got their reward. I want you to get your reward from God who sees you in secret. Now, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? That God sees you in secret. And God, the unseen God, so the Father who is unseen sees you in secret. That's pretty haunting. That's a pretty daunting thought, isn't it? That God knows everything about you. He knows every, everywhere you've ever been. He knows, uh, he knows when you're in secret. And so he says, and when you pray, verse 7, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. They think if I just repeat this prayer over and over again, that somehow God will find favor on me. If I just keep saying, you know, quote, quote this passage over and over, that God will find favor. Uh, or if I keep hitting God's button enough, that God will finally be done with me, and he'll finally hear, hear my pestering, and he'll give me what I want. No, he says, don't pray like that. That's what pagans do. Pagans are people who don't know anything about God. He says, don't pray like that. Do not be like them. Verse 8, for your father, now check this out, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So the question is, why pray? If God already knows what you need before you're asking him, there's this tension. All right, if he already knows, why pray? And then he continues, and he says, you know, he just said, he said that you're going to be rewarded. And we'll talk about that reward because that reward is, you know, we, we, American American religion, we think, yeah, I do this, I get a star on the chart, you know? Probably because whenever I was a little kid, they made me memorize verses, and I got the star if I memorized it. Do you, anybody remember that, day, that era of church, you know, right? They had a chart, and it was like 52 weeks, and if, if I memorized that verse, man, that little gold sticker, they used to lick them and stick them on there, you know? I got that, and they were trying to motivate me, right? But that's not the reward. Reward is a star on a chart. The reward isn't that God will all of a sudden somehow give you everything that you want. We're going to see that reward in just a little bit. But he says here, he says, Matthew, Matthew 6, 9, he continues on. He says, this then is how you should pray. So don't. He told him what not to be like. He says, go in quiet, and this is how you should do it. Uh, the master's about ready to teach us how to pray. So, you know, you, you said, well... Nobody's ever really come to me and said, I'm doing it wrong. Uh, Jesus came to his disciples and he was saying, you're missing it. You're missing it. You missed the whole point of prayer. Let me show you how it's done. And here's how it's done. I want you to read this prayer with me out loud. You know this prayer. We prayed it last week. Uh, Let's just read it out loud. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's a beautifully written prayer, isn't it? I mean, Jesus wrote it. If you're saying it's not beautiful, we've got to take it up with him, right? But he was, it wasn't meant to be a beautiful prayer. It wasn't meant to be something that we just recite every week. Many churches recite that. I don't think that's bad. I think that wasn't the point. That wasn't the end all. The end all was that Jesus was saying, look, I'm not giving you a new formula. I'm not telling you if you pray and you hit all these things that all of a sudden something magic's going to happen in your life. And you'll get that car you wanted. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, let me teach you how to be relational. Because what's happened? The disciples, they knew all about religious prayers. Jesus says, let me teach you about a relational prayer. Let me teach you about this relationship with God. And it was earth-shattering. The disciples, I could just see Peter standing there like, whoa. Because he starts off and he says, our Father in heaven. You look through the Old Testament, you don't see the word Father a whole lot. People didn't pray. It wasn't, it wasn't, they didn't come in and call him Father. They called him, O Creator, O Master of the Universe, O King of Kings, right? They didn't come to him as Father. And Jesus, he was, uh, he was opening up and he says, listen, this is an intimate connection. Because when you pray Father in heaven, and we talked last week about how good that the Father is. God is always good. Things many times are bad, but God is always, always, always good. And when we believe that, that gives us a new, new, uh, new approach to the Father. But he's, he says, he wants you to start this because it's your Father in heaven. And, and when, when we're praying to our Father in heaven, what you're really doing is you're coming before him. And you're saying, I remember how much God loves me. See, because when you're thinking of a father, and again, most of us have had, uh, we all had an earthly father somewhere in the, in the process, right? Uh, many of us have had an earthly father that was really stellar. And it's like, wow, he, he did everything, but he still fell short of perfect. And then we have the, uh, the other end of the spectrum that we go and we say some had fathers that were abandoned them, that abandoned their kids. Uh, they, they were absent. They worked where families were split up, and you, you fill in all the pain there, right? So but when we come to Father, this is the perfect Father. This is the Father who is in authority. This is the Father who, who acts with his children's best interest in mind. So when you get to pray, you get to come. This is what he was telling his disciples. You get to come and say, Our Father. It was a relational prayer. And, and what you're doing, when you're, when you're doing that, you're coming to him, and it's not just addressing. You know, sometimes we get into this habit. We'll pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Now, let's get to what I really need, right? And I think we just do that not even intentionally. We just do it. We kind of bypass, well, you have to talk to him somehow. So, dear Heavenly Father, and then we get into it, and we get into our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's like these end caps to our needs, and when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, let me teach you something that's revolutionary. You and the Father get to have a relationship. And you get to tell him to remember how much God loves you. Now, that's the first starting point of prayer. 
Uh, Ephesians 3, 17 and 18. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. There, this is, this, there's a big key here. This is a whole other sermon, all right? How do you keep strong? You dig down into God's love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should understand, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Now, when you're coming before the Father, you're able to remember how much he loves you. His love is long enough to last forever. His love is going to outlast your life. His love is going to outlast everything about you. His love is long enough to last forever. His love is wide enough. Now, think about that. It's long. It's wide. It is wide enough to embrace everything about you. You know, Jesus loves you, and his love embraces everything about you. But in American religion, American way of doing things, we've been taught that if you're good, God loves this good part of you. And all the rest, I don't know about that. No, no, no. God loves it all. God loves your failure. He loves you in your failure. He loves you in your mistake. He loves you when your back was walking away from him. Isaiah 53 tells us that. We were like sheep. We were all turned away from him. And yet he was pursuing us. That's the kind of God. So his love is wide enough to embrace all your shortcomings, all your your problems. Uh, It's deep enough to pull you out of the deepest despair. When you go down in life and, and things are painful, man, it's easy for us to get down and depressed. Because there's a lot of depressing things we've got to deal with, isn't there? When you, when you think about some of, the, some of the hard things of life, man, I'll tell you what, when that dark cloud is over you, it's, it's depressing. It's painful. And there are days that, man, I don't, wanna, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to function because things are so heavy, so hard. But yet the love of God is deep enough to pull me out of that despair. See, God doesn't say I'm going to take all the pain away. We're going to experience the pain. But his love is deep enough to pull me out of that despair. And his love is high enough to look, overlook every offense that you've ever committed. Man. Then, then he says, the next part, he says, how will it be your name? This is where I get to tell God how much I love him. I get to tell God I love you. Uh, and, and, and why would I love him? Well, his name is great. Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means holy, and, and so we can translate that as hail, H-A-L-E. The word hail is where that came from, to hail, to be made holy. And, and we always think of holy as like so, you know, without sin that we can't approach him. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying that he is so holy. Yes, that is part of the picture, that he is so, so holy and so different than us in the fact that he does not sin. But it is that God's person is complete. He's a, he's a person of authority. He's a person of character. Um, he's been made whole. He's completely sound. He's solid. He's healthy. He is everything that we, di- that we need. There's no blemish in him. He is everything that you need. So hallow his name. Make his name holy. You know, what, what's in a name? Yeah, there's an importance in a name. And let me just share it. Let me just throw this out. We'll try this, all right? What comes to your mind? When I say Rolls-Royce, anybody out there? Turn to your neighbor. What comes to your mind when you hear Rolls-Royce? Car. Oh, man, you guys are, you need another hour of sleep or something, right? 
a car. How about a really expensive car, right? Luxury mobile. What comes to your mind when you say when I say Porsche? Fast car, yeah? You know what comes to my mind is I don't think I'll fit in there, you know? That's that's what comes to my mind, you know? It's like so so there's power in the name. If I what comes to your mind when you say Harley? <laughs> you know? And there's all kind of things that come to your mind, right? Um what, what comes to your mind when you say Nissan? Yeah, sorry guys, you know, but yeah, it's like, I, did you see what the power of a name is? So hallowed the name of the Lord. Why are we making his name so great? Because he's comforter. Because he's creator. Because he's the greatest love that you'll ever have. And as you go through and you start to understand, see in his word, this is where we find out about him. So I would encourage you, maybe, maybe, you're new at this. Take a little piece of paper and start making a list of who he is. And every time you hear, all right, he's creator. What does that mean that he's a creator? It means that he was alive way before you ever were. It means before all this was here, he always was. It means he's eternal. What does it mean that he's eternal? And you start to write that down. Now, when you're coming to God in prayer, I'm telling him I love him. Why am I loving him? Look at what Psalm says. Psalm 107, verse 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. You see, when you think about God, you're going to want to pray. When you start to understand who he is, this is what drives us to prayer. The reason that many people struggle with prayer is that they don't understand this connection to God. They're coming and thinking they have to do this routine to get God's attention so that my family will be healthy. Prayer is so much more than that. That's why Jesus said, let me show you how it's done, guys. How will it be your name? And you see what that is? Now I get to tell him I love him. And I thank him because he's comforter. I thank him because he's the best friend that I'll ever have. And I thank him for everything that he's ever done. Now I can come into his presence and I can understand. See what I'm doing? I'm building my faith. Because prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. Uh, Next, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done um, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? Uh, Thy kingdom come. I offer my life to be used for God's purpose. Thy kingdom come. I offer my life to be used for God's purpose. So to every king, there's a kingdom. I think I jumped ahead here. We'll go back one, all right? There you go. Your kingdom come. I offer my life to be used by God. And so what what this is, every kingdom has a purpose. Uh, Every kingdom has to have a king. And so when we're thinking about God's kingdom, we think of him as the king. He's on the throne. He, He is God, right? And so I'm coming, and now I'm starting to line up my heart with God's heart. I'm saying, okay, your kingdom come. God, use me. So maybe you start to pray something like this. God, here's my hands. What would you do with my hands today? Lord, here's my, here's my lips. Here's my mouth. What will I speak today? Will you use me today? I have a great privilege to stand before you week in and week out. And every week I come before the Lord and I say, God, here's my mouth. Filter it up there this morning. Use it for your glory. Here's my feet. Here's my hands. Lord, use everything I've got today because this is yours. And you know what? That's not just a prayer for a pastor. That's a prayer for every follower of Jesus. As you go to work tomorrow, God wants you. Your mouth will be used for God at your job tomorrow. Your hands will be used for God. 
your feet, your passions, your desires, your likes, your dislikes. God will use all that for his honor and glory. But it comes, your kingdom come. And you see, it's not, it's not about me anymore. It's about what God wants. So I'm, I'm lining up to what God wants. And I'm, I'm coming under his plan. And I'm under his kingdom. I'm under his kingship. God is the king. I, I give you my pain and sorrows, the next thought. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's where the, here's where the tension comes, folks. His kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many times, your will and God's will are not the same. That's why I'm suggesting this is a point where you give God your pain and sorrow. Man, maybe, maybe you say, but it was a good thought, and I really wanted to do it well. And I think God would be pleased. And God says, my will, not your will. Uh, for the church, I pray for that all the time. I pray that God's will would be done for our church. I want our church to, to meet the, the target that God has drawn for us. We're here to bring a community to Jesus Christ. We're here to go out and to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. So I come before the Lord. I say, God, for your people, Lord, may our people align with your will, Lord, and not our will. God, if we're, going, if we're doing something, you want to change it, Lord, you change us. And see, there's pain in that, isn't there? There's a little bit of sorrow there whenever, whenever God has something slightly different than what you're thinking. And so you come before him. And, and how do I know this? Because John chapter 6, Jesus said that he came not for his own will, but for the will of the Father. His whole life, his whole ministry was for the will of the Father. As a matter of fact, at the very end of his life, uh, right before he goes to the cross, he's praying. And he prays, Abba, Father. Mark 14. Abba, Father. Everything is possible with you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Not my will, but your will. See, Jesus was modeling for it. Did you catch it? Father, there's the connection. There's this relational aspect. This is hard. Your kingdom come, but not what I want, what you want. Do you think going to the cross was fun? Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. Do you think at some point that Jesus was jumping up and down and saying, man, I can't wait for them to put a nail through my hand. And I can't wait for them to tie me to this cross. And I can't wait for them to mock me. He comes before the Father and he says, not what I want, but what you want, Lord. And he was obedient. This is where we're at. We give God our pain. We give him our sorrow. God was satisfied. God the Father was satisfied whenever Jesus paid the price. So God wants you to pray, not my will, but your will. He wants you to mean it. And that, see, what, when you're praying like that, you're no longer in control. You're no longer in control. I, the, the, lastly, this morning, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I trust God with all my needs. Isn't it interesting that Jesus puts in there give? We got the gimmies, right? Remember I've been talking, we want to stay away from the gimmies. Now, we don't want to stay away from the gimmies. We don't want the gimmies to be the only point of prayer. And so we, we, we have it. So we've gone through this process of understanding, telling him, uh, remember his love. We tell him how much we love him. Uh, we, we go through this process. Of, it's about his will, not my will. And now, see what happens. When I've remembered who God is, I've built my faith. 
I've grown my faith because I've seen what he's done in the Bible. I've seen what he's done before in my life. I thank him. I honor him. And now as I build up to this moment, now I can ask him. Now I have faith to ask him because I know that he can do it. And I know that he will do according to his will. And I can be confident according to his will. I give him my pain and sorrow. I trust him with my needs. What are your needs? You know, you, you have many needs. Uh, your, your needs are, are, are abundant. You have physical needs. Everybody has a mortgage or a rent to pay, right? We have physical needs. We have jobs. We have, we have all that stuff to deal with. We have cars and land and all that stuff, right? How about some spiritual needs? Man, we got a lot of spiritual needs. Anybody, anybody need forgiveness? Anybody in here need peace? Anybody, your, your joy's been stolen, you could use a, a dose of joy? Anybody need endurance and strength? And he says to give us this day our daily bread. Now, now check this out. This is so cool. When he said that, the disciples, what went off in their mind was not some guy at a table with a loaf of bread, but was a whole nation that were out in tents. And every morning, God gave the, the, the people of this nation, Israel, he gave them bread. It was called manna. And as a matter of fact, they went out to get the manna. The word manna means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. Moses says, go out and get it. Can you imagine that? What is it? They didn't even have a name for it. They named it, what is it? Oh, what do you eat? I don't know, what is it? I'll take some more. What is it? I don't know. What is it? You know? It's like who's on first, right? You know? And, and, and so they're eating this stuff. And he told me, he says, get enough that you have enough just for today. And if you get more than what you need for today, it's going to rot. It's going to spoil. And the disciples, they knew that, man. Boom. It, it, it triggered in their head. They remembered how God provided he says, give us this day. They went out early and they gathered it up. There was only one day of the week they were allowed a double portion. And that was going into the Sabbath, which was the day of rest. Any other day, it would spoil. Could you imagine if you asked God for some financial needs? And you did something outlandish. And you asked him for $5 million. Would that be cool? You with me? $5 million. And you say, man, that would do more than I could ever do. I don't, and then you, you got all these plans how you're never going to work after that again. And you got all these plans of what island you're going to live on, right? And you got all these plans. You know what happens if God give us everything that we need in one day? We would probably not come back to him tomorrow. And we would miss out on this relationship. Like the prodigal son, he got his inheritance and he ran. But the boy who stayed at home, he was the one who was living in the joy. And so many times we get all bent out of shape because we see somebody else has something that we don't have. In the meantime, God says, just relax. I'm your daddy. I'm going to give you what you need today. Physical needs, spiritual needs, all those needs. Philippians 4.19, the Apostle Paul said this, My God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Does God have enough money to pay your bills? Yes. Does God have enough grace for your needs? Yes. Does God have enough joy for when you've been run over? Yes. Does God have enough peace to your situation because things are hard? Yes. 
Because his love is high, his love is long, his love is wide, his love is deep. And according to the riches of Christ Jesus, God will take care of you. Does God have the physical, does God know everything about your body? Yes. You're deal- some of you are dealing with cancer. Some of you are dealing with some pain, some diseases, some sickness in families. Does God know all about it? Yes. And we trust him. Not my will, but thy will, O Lord. And I come into this, and then I get to give him this list. I think you have some needs that are much deeper than physical. I know I do. More than my physical, more than my finances, more than my job. I need peace. I need guidance. I need comfort. This is the God we serve. As we close, I'd like to practice praying. I'd like for you to practice praying with me. I, you know, I was told as a, as a kid that if you, if you wanted to do well, you had to practice. And so I didn't practice. And I didn't do well at a lot of sports. But some of the things that I practiced at, I did pretty good at. And I got really good at some, a few things. And so when it comes to prayer, the musicians are going to come. They're going to pull, pull together a little bit of music here as, as we pray. I'm going to ask you to lean forward to the a seat in front of you. I have one of these cards. You'll see it's called a speech bubble. If you take that, and in it, it has the five thoughts that we covered today. And I'd like to walk you through. There should be a pen nearby. Grab a pen, and, and I'm going to coach you through this a little bit. And then I want you to take this home, and I want, I want to encourage you to use this as a tool to pray. I use this as a tool to, to learn how to pray. And as you practice, and maybe you need to use this for a couple months, a couple years. That's okay. Because Jesus didn't say, pray this. He said, pray like this. Connect to God. So take the pen, and, and you'll see it says, Our Father in Heaven there. And I want to encourage you to just to write something in there along the lines of, I remember how much you love me. And so just everybody look at your paper right now. All right? Nobody looking up here. Just, just look at the paper. And I want to ask everybody to participate. And, uh, and just look at that paper and, and where it says, Our Father in Heaven. Would you take a moment? And, and You're not going to hand this in. You're going to take this home. But just jot a thought there. I remember how much God loves me. Hallowed be your name. Would you take and write down there? I. This is where you tell God how much you love Him. Maybe, maybe and put it in your own words. This isn't about mimicking the Lord's prayer. This is putting in your own words. Why is His name so great to you? This is where you tell Him I love you. I'm honored. I honor your name because I love you. Because you're my shield, my creator. Your kingdom come. This is where you now ask the Lord to use you. God, use my life. Use my hands, my feet. Whatever it is that you need to do there. And every day, make this a a special prayer. Make this a, a private prayer. This is you and God. You're going into the room right now where nobody can see you. Oh, you're sitting in a crowd, but nobody can see you and God connecting right now. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is where you give God your pain and sorrow. Maybe there's some things you want to see God do and they're not done yet. You give Him that pain and sorrow right now. 
You're not trying to convince God to bend his way. You're trying to bend to God's way. You're asking God to bend you to, to his will. And then give us this day our daily bread. This is where I trust God with all my needs. Maybe there's some things that are really deep in your life that you could give to God. And just ask him, Lord, I need you to be my guide. I need you to be my friend. I need you to help me understand Father because I really struggle with that. I need you to be my king. Maybe you have some physical needs that you're dealing with. Financial. Your daily bread. It's not just spiritual. It's not just physical. It's everything. Your emotional needs. You need God to meet them. How about your marriage? This is a great place to put your marriage. How about your kids? God, we come before you this morning and I thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the way that uh, you've been moving in our church. And God, we invite everyone here this morning to open their heart to you. Lord, for some people in this room, this is the first time they've talked to you ever in their life. For others, it's the first time that they've talked to you in months. And for others, they just talked to you this morning before they came in. God, help us. Thank you that you've taught us how to pray. Not what to pray. Not some ritual. Not some formula. But you taught us how to be relational with the God of the universe. Lord, for everyone in this room, I pray now, Lord, that you open their hearts. For, for those that have not yet trusted you as Savior, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you're in this place this morning... And, and you're not certain of eternity. You're not certain that you'll be in heaven. I'd like to help you be certain today. Jesus came to this earth. He died for your sin. He did it with no strings attached. He said, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to be a good person. You have to trust Jesus. So this morning, I invite you to trust Jesus. Just open your heart and say, God, I'm a sinner. And that's you with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning if that's you would you just call on the Lord and say God I'm a sinner I've done wrong things and I need a savior you died on the cross you paid for my sin you came back to life again and I invite you into my heart right now God I don't understand all this but I know you love me. God, I pray you'll be with each person in this room as we respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please, as we just finish off and close this morning with this song? Our Father, Creator, you mold our hearts together. There's no one higher than you. Savior, there's no one.